Interventionism. Does it work? Does it not work? Is the U.S. meant to be the policeman of the world, the gatekeeper of peace, or really should it keep out of people's business? Well, we'll try to figure that out today. This is state-sponsored programming. I'm Will Blyseth. I'm Catherine Bepler. I'm Sophie Dasko. And I'm Maximilian Schell. So, uh, Sophie, you're the you're the most wisest one of the bunch. You know you know a little bit about just my opinion. So Thank you know you. you know a little bit about interventionism. So how about you just run over for the audience? Just, t- just talk about it. All right. Well, according to Merriam-Webster, the definition of interventionism is the theory or practice of intervening, specifically governmental interference in economic affairs at home or in the political affairs of another country. And in my personal opinion, most of the time when the United States intervenes in another country's affairs, we wind up f***ing it up. So my personal belief is not that we should be isolationist and withdraw from the globe, but that we need to worry about our domestic affairs first and the affairs of our allies before we go, you know, exploring. I do believe that military intervention has its place to some extent. Um, I believe that if we believe in that our Western values, our American values, are the best for ourselves, then we believe they are best for the rest of the world as well. Therefore, if you look at our goal um, on the world scale, should be to spread our American values to other countries that may not have those privileges, i.e. North Korea. I'd have to agree with Max. I think what it comes down to is our foreign policy, I think we can all agree, should be geared towards the U.S.'s interests, what's best for the U.S. And I think just having a, a world that is pe- peaceful and stable in terms of trade and just terms of international relations is the best way to go. And I think, and I think that if we, if we were going to go down a more isolationist route and, and pull out of Europe and just pull out of that general hemisphere, then you would see Russia and China just kind of having a little bit of a buffet now, and, trying to, and, and trying to intervene and exerting their influence, influence. And if we're trying to keep valuable trade partners and we're trying to keep things peaceful and stable and try to prevent military conflict, I say we go, as Reagan did, and exercise some peace through strength. So that's my opinion. The last time the United States was really interventionist to the max was the 60s. And we were intervention in the 60s specifically because communist Russia was trying to spread their ideology throughout the globe. So in the 60s, we might have had a very good purpose for being so interventionist because a world dominated by communism would not have been good for us. But that purpose doesn't exist anymore. You can argue that Russia is a dying power. We might want to focus more on the military aspect of the, and economic aspect, actually, of the Chinese front rather than their political values impeding ours. I don't necessarily think that we have such a cause to be so interventionist. The last time we were so interventionist was Vietnam. We f***ed up in Vietnam. That's just, mm-hmm. that's my personal belief. But, Catherine? The U.S. and its people should be put first because it is our country. And I kind of agree that we should ma- base it more on, like, an economic front. Um, like, I believe in sanctions. And I believe in tariffs, but I know we're not talking about that today. I'm not necessarily a zealot for free trade, but we don't need to be that protectionist. Well, a point that I want to make is I just generally believe that, like like you you guys been saying, that we need to protect our interests. And I think in terms of there's definitely some military conflicts where there we have a sort of Western ally or an ally, and another and then another country is being aggressive towards them. So, for example, with Russia annexing Crimea or Ukraine. I think actually what Trump's doing now, surprisingly, he's actually been aiding the Ukraine a lot and giving a lot of direct military support in order for them to be able to fight off Russia. And Russia, I mean, they're not really our ally. They're kind of they're kind of a little bit of a threat. And same thing with China. And I think what it comes down to China is China is a big threat. Well, no, yeah, China definitely is a threat. 
Thank you. But I think what it comes down to is we just need to be frequently protecting our allies, and if someone else impedes on that, then we then we quickly respond and use and then use the proper military force. And I think when you're talking about the Vietnam War and. I think the main problem was is that we started off slow and then we slowly started heating up and by that time the Viet Cong was able to catch up. I think that if we were going to go in the Vietnam War at all, I think we should have just gone with decisive, quick military action, done what needed to be done, and then we could have gotten out as opposed to just warming up. I think if we're going to be in a military conflict, then we should exert our strength, as much strength in, it, strength in it as possible in order to quickly end it. That's my that's just my opinion. Max, what do you think? Um, going off of Will's point, uh, could we then suggest that the real problem is not uh, military intervention by the U.S., but rather the U.S. engaging in solo military intervention. What I mean by that is, like, the Vietnam War was not necessarily so much in defense of, like, an ally than it was just a clash of Eastern versus Western philosophy. But if we're going to intervene on the behalf of an ally, that could perhaps be justified. Okay, so I would agree with that. I would, and I think that Catherine probably would as well, that we should intervene on behalf of our allies. But let's look at a situation that we have going on that I think a lot of people are familiar with in the Middle East. Our ally Israel is surrounded by nations who for all intents and purposes want to destroy it. Recently, the United Nations, which is supposed to be the peacekeeping organization that the U.S. throws its you know, weight behind, is really kind of ragging on Israel and is really passing a lot of United Nations resolutions against Israel yeah. to try and hinder their ability to defend themselves. In that situation, should we be engaging in a solo military action? Because the United Nations is doing nothing but condemning our ally. Do you think that Israel is in direct need of, I mean, U.S. military yes. support? Yes. Really? I'm, I mean, I'm very, the way I see it, they're fighting solely offensive war, and the IDF is a formidable defensive machine. Well, no way haven't we already been supplying them? Most of their been. supplies come from us. But at the same time, I think we're talking about the scale and also a little bit about the politics. It looks like we are not supporting our ally as much as we should be. Like I said, we have been passing resolution, after, maybe not necessarily the United States, the UN has been passing resolution after resolution against Israel, and other nations in the Middle East are continuing to attack Israel for their religious beliefs, as well as for their affiliation with the United States. So then, in that situation, what is our responsibility to our ally? I think our responsibility is to defend Israel, because this is, this is a nation that has defended Western values, that believes in Western values, and that through, in, at least in my opinion, throughout all the Middle Eastern conflicts surrounding Israel. Israel has repeatedly tried to create peace with like the with the region of Palestine. There have been se there have been several attempted resolutions in which Israel has granted the Palestine area ge generous land claims and even at one point granting East Jerusalem as their capital because all they really want is peace. They don't they they're fighting a strictly defensive war and this is someone who is our ally. This this isn't a situation where for example in Syria where it's where it's just kind of this a, a conflict of a bunch of different of a bunch of different interests and there's no real there's no real clear party to support. I think with Israel, this is our, as I said, it's our ally. They believe in Western values, and all they want is peace. And I think that it is kind of our responsibility to defend them and to, to preserve that peace. Well, if we stop defending them, they're going down. Like, the only yeah. reason that they're kind of surviving is because we're, like, feeding them mm -hmm. all these weapons. You keep saying that the UN keeps passing resolutions. Like, who, are, who would you say are, like, the main supporters? Of like what? what nations? I think of the, of well, it's nations that Israel. it's nations that want to see Israel destroyed. That don't appreciate Israel being our ally in the Middle East. Sure. And a lot of Middle Eastern nations that are against Israel or their enemy 
blatantly ignore UN resolutions to help Israel, mm. so it doesn't necessarily matter, which only supports my notion that the UN is a useless organization. But aside from that, I think that it is, in this case, the United States' job to help their ally. Now, yeah. Catherine, I have a question for you. You no. said that you, we need to take care of our problems at home before we take care of our problems abroad, right? Do you think that we should be focusing on the immigration war or helping our ally Israel? Like, what takes higher um, priority for you? Well, to be honest, I mean, with the immigration war, I don't know. I wouldn't really call it a war. The only real problem they're bringing is because it's kind of like a stigma, I guess, that they're stealing our jobs. There's just... My, okay, my opinion, because of so much um, health care, more people are choosing not to work and get paid to do it rather than taking jobs. So they're basically just taking the immigrants illegal that like they might be they're usually just taking jobs that no one else really wants to do. yeah so i would say that we should probably be more focused i guess on intervention which i hate saying because i'm an isolationist but yeah okay well that's fair so you're pro tariff then just just for the I'm, record yeah I'm, just for the record I'm so i can pro -tariff. kind of throw it back in your face later yeah okay <laughs> max how do you feel about immigration versus israel i would say focus on israel i mean i think I think at the current level that we are handling the immigration crisis is fine. If we're going to expand our efforts in an area, it should be in defense of Israel. Fair enough. Yeah, William? I'd say I'd say Israel. Okay. I, I, I think that I I don't know. I'm, I don't really have too much interest in the whole immigration war going on. I just I think that there's a lot of immigrants that want to come here and that want to work hard and that. I was actually, I'm not going to name names, but I was at camp one time, and so we were in our, we were in our bunks, and so we were talking, I had a friend from Spain, and we were talking about Spain, and this guy on the bottom bunk just goes, they're stealing our jobs, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, I'm like, what the heck, like, I was, I was about to, like, just go off, but I decided, but I just restrained myself, because as Catherine said, I, I think people who coming here and wanting to work hard, they're, they're creating... For example, like uh, you'll see a lot of immigrants coming and working in, in like agriculture. They're now making cheaper products, which gives people more capital to invest in other businesses. So I think I think if we're talking about job creation. That's more that's more of, of you know lowering taxes and lower regulation, not necessarily stop impeding hardworking people from working. It was just purely a question that I threw yeah. out there, just because. A lot of people, especially the left recently, has been really getting excited over the immigration issue. So those were two things, mm -hmm. those two comparing and contrasting things. But since the topic that we wanted to discuss today was technically interventionism, I want to go on a little bit of a rant about the UN. For me, at least, you can't talk about interventionism without talking about the United Nations because it's literally the United Nations' job to ignore national sovereignty and stick their fingers in everybody's pie. So the United States has been the policeman of the world since we joined the UN in 1945. But has the United Nations as an organization really helped anybody? Interventionism costs the United States greatly. It costs us monetarily because we bankroll one-fifth of the United Nations budget. It costs us in troops whenever we give troops to the United Nations to send to nations like Lebanon or Myanmar that are in active crisis. And it costs us materials whenever we donate to those nations. Everything that we do through the UN, we could do individually. Yeah. The UN is a Potemkin organization so that political leaders around the world can save face. But I still think the U.S. giving, not necessarily through the United Nations, but giving foreign aid and, and sometimes sending troops and being involved in certain military conflicts is in our own interest. And I think that 
there's actually a lot of times where the U.S. could have intervened and thing, and they could have prevented a very costly war. Like for, for example, with the or they intervene and cause war. Well, let me give let me give my example. <laughs> so, with the with the Russian Re- Revolution, you had the whites versus the reds. You had you had non-communists and commun- communists. From <laughs> this is how I look at it. The simple breakdown. And so it, it it's a little bit of a simple breakdown. But the point is is at least in my opinion, if the if the U.S. would have immediately supplied troops and aid to the whites in that whole revolution, you could have you could have potentially stopped the whole. Communist well, Russian we were Revolution. never as have, we were no. never as powerful as we were. Oh, but I'm right saying, now, it, like, would never in 19. Well, well 19. We as well as Britain, as the powerful, 19, if the if, yeah. if, if Britain at the time, as well as potentially the U.S., would have intervened more, then maybe then maybe we could have seen the end of the. The people of wanted the Revolution. it. Most I don't people know. wanted it. I don't know. I think I would, I, agree. I would concur with Catherine's point that most people did want it, and if mm-hmm. the United States involved itself in the Russian Revolution then you would have simply had Russians hating America and you would have had a revolution that happened down the line no matter what. No, that, yeah, so, fair yeah. point, fair point. So in my, that, I personally think that reaffirms the belief that if you intervene, you cause problems. In, in, in situations, in already tense situations like that. I don't know, I'm still, I'm still doubtful. I, th- I think, I'm just saying, I think it would have been more into Britain's, at the time, self-interest to intervene more on behalf of the whites because they, they could have potentially... No one have was stopped powerful their, their enough red to, to stop a revolution that everyone wanted. Well, and, yeah. Are you sure? Are you sure yes. that everyone wanted it? Pretty much Hence everyone. Hence the fact that it happened, and the entire working class rose up against the so-called one percent. Then yeah. I guess that's a fair point. Maybe my mind's changed a little bit. I don't know. So also, since we're talking about interventionism, it's not just interventionism abroad. It's also government intervention here at home. And one of the biggest ways that the government intervenes in our lives is by trying to affect our economy. William, I know that you are big into economics, so I'm going to ask you to keep your points short and concise just for everyone's sanity. But would you please kind of give us a little bit of your ideas and opinions on the government getting sticking its little fingers in our economic system in terms of trade i'm just talking blanket statement go go with go with what you feel well when the most of the time when the government intervenes in the economy it creates a bunch of adverse effects that people didn't want a bunch of false incentives and it is a disaster so in general in general government intervention into the economy is a bad thing the only the only times i think it's sort of acceptable but I don't even know if you would call it intervention is that when you make sure that some transactions are completely consensual because there are instances where people will where uh, businesses or individuals will try to scam other people in saying that they're selling them one product when they're really not so that that's just that's just upholding consent and so but based to answer your question shortly when the government intervenes it creates a bunch of problems that are way worse Okay. So, yeah. Catherine Beppler, what do you think about the government intervening in the economy? Oh, dumb. <laughs> like, like, there's no other word dumb. for it. Like, literally, think about it. Like, states that... Okay. I, I don't mean to call you out, Max. But states that impose more, like, sanctions on... Or not... I don't... Sanctions isn't the right word. But more, like, restrictions on um, the environment and stuff. Like, businesses move out of those states and usually yeah I, I mean into states like other states that like prohibit it not prohibit it 
Like, they're, they're for it, and they kind of destroy, like, the wildlife there. So I see your point, but... Now, hang on a minute. I just need to call out Catherine. So you think <laughs> that government intervention in the economy is dumb, but you yeah. think tariffs are good? Yeah. Well, because they're <laughs> promoting the U.S. Uh, I, I disagree. I'm just going to throw a little Jones Act <laughs> out there where it's just I know, you guys are all disagreeing. <laughs> jacked up our economy, but that's fine, that's fine. You know, you're entitled to your opinions. Max, what do you think about Catherine's point about the environmental business arrangement? Okay, so it's worth mentioning now that um, I should probably just answer the question you asked because that'll answer that as well. Um, I believe in agreeance with Will that government regulation is justified a small percentage of the time so long as it is a source of expanded power for the consumer. Um, basically, I think that the American concept of government is that it it can serve as basically an expansion of liberty rather than a restriction upon it. So if we can pass certain regulations that give the consumer more power, i.e. like laws that would require food companies to put labels on their products telling consumers what is in their product, that's a good thing. Um, I do believe in a certain amount of environmental regulation, a certain amount. Um, I'm still debating to myself how much, but not to the point where it stifles and or it stifles business growth past a certain point okay i I agree with that yeah yeah i think at this point we kind of agree especially on the domestic front it's everything in moderation yes yeah well so in my opinion whether you have tariffs or whether you don't have tariffs no jobs are going to be created either way it's simply about an allocation of industries and so i think what ends up happening is when you implement tariffs is that is that industry industries that can't compete abroad survive when 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 the our country if there were no tariffs could be could the market would allocate businesses to produce what we're good at and so the ba- basics of economics is that p- is that c- countries have different opportunity costs of making things so for example so one country may be awesome at creating grain but and they can create way more grain in the time spent that they would in creating computers and then another country would be vice versa both countries are better off if they spe- if they specialize in what they're good at and so they can end up saving time and getting more stuff by trading at what they're good at producing instead of wasting time and so i think when you implement free trade it kind of it kind of forces all all countries to specialize in what they're good at so they can save time and instead of producing what they're not good at they make what they're good at and then they trade i think that's a good argument a good basic argument for free trade just that's the, that's the basics yeah. <laughs> that's, okay that's fair what i think really matters in an economy is not necessarily how much you export it's about what products are available to the american consumer yeah i would agree with that and so you could you could be you could be exporting for example in china they're exporting a ton of stuff but how much how much products does the average Chinese person have be, is is able to access compared to the products that the average American is able to access? What what really matters is the state the general standard of living and what people are able to access. And like I said before, what tariffs end up doing is they protect dying industries that can't compete. And there's more time spent on the <laughs> industries that are inefficient as opposed to more time spent being what we're best at producing because like i said with different opportunity costs if we have the lowest opportunity cost in certain producing some goods we could the the market will allocate businesses so that people since it's most profitable for us and we're best at creating it we'll be we'll be focusing on producing that and then we'll be able to trade what we make in order to get other products that we're not so efficient at making so basically while tariffs might protect 
local American businesses, which you said, which they also protect sometimes. jobs too. Okay, local American businesses and jobs. At the end of the day, it hurts the American consumer because the products that we have access to are going to be more expensive. The products that are made in America are going to be more expensive. When you have products coming in from other places, a lot of times they're cheaper. So if we're being forced to pay more money as the as the consumer, forced to pay more money to buy American goods, that doesn't benefit us at all. So in this case, isolationist policies are not going to work. Okay, but like for example, <laughs> with like the steel tariffs, now there's manufacturers that get screwed over and and that their businesses close down because they use they they need cheap steel in order to make a product. So there's a bunch of different instances where you have tariffs that do the complete opposite effect. And and like as I said with like comparative advantage and with opportunity cost, what ends up happening is is and if you really think about it, the the United States is a giant free trade zone. In the south, you have a ton of agriculture and people focus on that. And then in the, in the, in the north, you, ha- you have a ton of industries and that people trade based on what they're on their best at doing. And that's how it works. And it's great. So in this case, we understand that tariffs, no offense, Catherine, tariffs are not good because it hurts the American consumer. But in other cases involving interventionism, such as domestic <laughs> policies here at home, everything in moderation. Whereas abroad, we have a tendency to get ourselves into a little bit of trouble when we try to play a policeman. So it might not work. I would say in short, we all have our own opinions on interventionism and they're probably going to stay tariffs which need to change. But other than that, everything in moderation. Some intervention is good, some just needs to be left alone. Well, this has been state-sponsored programming and you're welcome everyone.